I'm not pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work at home edition. So I'm having some uh, technical problems with audio. So I'm going to do this today at home. Uh, I will solve it and then be back in my car soon. Okay, so um, earlier or last year, um, when I introduced Onfinity, um, or I, I did not, we, we do a thing we call the pre-beat, where we talk a little bit about and show you a few cards. Uh, this was back in like November. Um, I talked a little bit about tournament design versus non-tournament design. So um, if you remember, when Unglued first got made, um, the idea behind Unglued was that we would introduce silver borders. And silver borders meant uh, non-tournament design. And I explained in that article that early on, non-tournament design meant, well, not for high-end constructed play, but it was intended for casual formats. Um, and I talked about how there was a lot of design space there, and we wanted to make use of that. And so today, I want to sort of talk about what is that non-tournament design space? What does that mean? Um, I want to really make clarifications and talk about what exactly is sort of – what is this viable, interesting design space that I think the unsets get to do that a lot of the rest of Magic doesn't get to do? Uh, and I'm going to clarify today. And, and for those that really enjoy getting into the nitty-gritty of design, this is very nitty-gritty. Um, okay, so – Basically, when Richard Garfield first made Magic, the idea was it was a much more casual game. Um, but it soon it became clear pretty soon um, that as Magic got a lot bigger and became something that we introduced the idea of sanctioned tournaments or, or just tournaments in general. Um, and once tournaments became a thing, it started adding a bunch of rules to how we made Magic. So I want to sort of walk through those rules, explain what those rules are, and talk about um, where where it opened up space for interesting design that we don't do in normal sets. Okay, so the first area I want to talk about is what I'll call working within the rules. So in order to make Magic a high-level competitive tournament game, there needs to be a very crisp and clear rule system. Uh, the way I like to describe it is think of the rule system as a computer, that er there has to be an answer to everything, that no matter what you do, no matter what input you give into it, there needs to be a clear output, that you can't solve the problems 99.9% .9 of the time. The rule system needs to solve them 100% of the time. Okay, so there's a couple issues where this comes up. So the first thing is what I'll call corner cases, which is when playing with the card um, – the average player will have no problem. The, the things that would normally come up, you know, are all hand, they, they're all things that in practical play can be handled. But because the tournament system needs the 100%, needs to be exact, there are weird corner cases that might even be just hypothetical, might never actually come up in gameplay or very rarely in gameplay, but the system still needs to answer it. And because of that, um, there are things that you cannot do. So my example here is staying power. So staying power is, uh, is an enchantment in Unhinged. And basically it says things that would last until end of turn. I think it replaces until end of turn or at end of turn. And it, it says those things don't end. So the idea essentially is anything that would be a temporary effect, like say a giant growth, it becomes a permanent fact. So instead of your creature getting plus three, plus three just for the turn, it would permanently get plus three, plus three, plus three for the rest of the game. 
Now, from a practical standpoint, I mean, there's some memory issues there, but from a practical understanding the rules, under, you know, applying it, people can play that. There's no problem. The reason that we couldn't make that card in non, you know, sort of silver border acorn was that there are things the rules can't handle, that there are a lot of time in the rules, the rules say, well, when this happens, here's how you resolve it. And when you make a card that says, well, this rule doesn't work that way, then there's no answer for the system. And there's some things that just can't easily be answered. So it's a good example of the reason we made Staying Power Unhinged is it's a very fun card. It's enjoyable. I try to make it in a non-unset. But for this sort of corner case rules issue, it couldn't be done. But it's a fun card. People can play with it. People can enjoy it. People don't even necessarily have any problem playing with it. But it doesn't work in the rule system. So it becomes non-tournament design. Another area is um, what I will call... It's not that the game system can't adapt to it, but it might not be worth it. Uh, the example here is Last Strike or Triple Strike. Um, Last Strike uh, requires a rewriting of the tournament rules. Uh, or not, sorry, of the combat rules. And the combat rules are really designed up to, to do what they do. And it's not set up to sort of add in new sort of sections of combat um, or new you know parts of damage. So it requires like completely rewriting it. So the reason that when we came, um, I think Last Trek was created by Mark Gottlieb during Future Sight. And the reason it got struck, uh, struck down by Mark Gottlieb, who then with his hat as a rules manager had to strike it down, was it requires so much work, it's just not worth doing. We're not making enough cards that it's worth that work. So that's another place where non-term design is like, oh, well, it's something that people can understand. It's something that's fun, but it's just not worth the work it would require to the rules to add it. Um, so another thing is what I'll call sort of the, the quirkiness where there's something weird that you have to put in. Um, often it involves some sort of ambiguity. Um, like, so one of the things that humans handle well, humans handle ambiguity really well. Computers or systems do not. Uh, my example here is a card called Yet Another Aether Vortex, which uh, is in Unhinged. And basically it says the top card on your library, if it's a permanent, is both on the battlefield and on top of your library. Um, now, it requires you understanding a certain system. Like, there's, there's a certain mindset you have to understand. But once you understand it, all the rulings that come off it are very consistent. Now, it creates an ambiguity that a computer can't handle, that the rule system can't handle, but that humans can handle. Um, and so that's another example of where we can go with non-tournament design is in each of these cases, the corner cases, the change issue, the quirkiness, ambiguity issue. It's not that humans can't handle all of that. It's, it's the system can't handle it. So the first big category is things in which um, they're fun designs, they're usable designs, they're comprehensible designs, but the, the larger system can't handle them. So we can't make them within uh, the tournament setting that requires that, but they are fun cards that we can design. Okay, uh, the next area that gets us in trouble is what I'll call the consistency area. So one of the ways that the, the, the tournament system needs to work is it needs a consistency across all the cards that are the same. So for the in order for tournaments to function, there's a rule that says uh, every card that shares the same English name, so every card, you know, there we, we're, we are many languages, but so every card that's called 
grizzly bear, you know, no, no matter the, the, the language, but in English it's called grizzly bear. All of those have to be consistent. Every printing has to be consistent. They all have to work the same. But what that means is there are qualities of cards that will vary between printings. Anything that's not consistent between printings, the, it can't be applied to. That The system can't handle that. So, for example, um, rules text is consistent. Power toughness is consistent. Mana cost is consistent. So those are the things that you can look at. But as far as um, uh, if it has a watermark, who the artist is, um, you know, there, there's things that vary um, from 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 version to version. The expansion symbol, the watermarks, the the art, for example, and so none of those things are viable. So, for example, like watermarks, there's a there's a lot of cool things. If we could use watermarks and care mechanically, there's a lot of neat space that we could use there. There's a lot of ways. Like sometimes I want to have a subset of cards in a set, and right now I need to have a word on the type line to be able to do that, or a keyword in the rules text. But without that, I can't group them together. And so um, there's some batching. There's some there's some tricks that we can do. But I can't just sort of say these five cards. I just want to be a batch or these 20 cards or 50 cards. Um, so the consistency thing keeps us from doing that. Uh, so for example, in Unstable, we had uh, watermarks matter. For example, I had five factions and I could do some neat stuff like, hey, all the agents of Sneak, that was our spy faction, have this watermark. So I can make a card that says, hey, look at the top of your library. Does it have that watermark? And if so, there's a bonus for doing that. Um, but I can only do that because I could care about watermarks. Um, but the system doesn't let me care about things like watermarks. So that is non-tournament design space. Um, the other problem is because of the way the language works, because we are printed in different languages and that certain words do not show up consistently between languages, we are allowed to care about the name as a whole entity. So we can say, look for a card named such and such, but we can't care about elements of the name. For example, there's a card called Urza's Hot Tub and Unhinged, where you can discard a card to go tutor for a card that has a word in common with the card you're discarding. So if I discard... Um, a card with Urza in the name, I can go get a different card with Urza in the name. Or if I discard a card that said Giant, I can go, you know, I can discard my Hill Giant to go get a Giant Growth. Um, because of the consistency thing, that is not viable. So, you know, there are, there are a lot of fun cards where you can care about those qualities. And one of the things you'll notice in a lot of unsets is we've cared about a collector number. We've cared, like, na name something we can care about, um... Oh, and the other thing that we can care about, like stuff like how many lines of rules text are there? Um, because in different printings, maybe it's three lines in one printing, but four lines in another. Um, and we can care about, uh, like qualities of names, what letter it starts with. Or, you know, there's, there's all these neat things that are fun and viable. And once again, not hard to understand, easy to play with, comprehensible. Um, but that the system doesn't allow us to do that. Okay, the next problem we run into is variance. Um, one of the things when you are making uh, a tournament viable, when you're, you care about high-end competitive play, it's very important that you have consistency. You are trying to reward skill. So if somebody plays the same deck, you want the, the games to play out similarly because uh, the lower the variance... Uh, the more likely the same thing will happen, which helps the person who is of higher skill. The problem is high variance is fun. 
Variants, um, for example, let's take the Commander format, which is a very casual format. Why is Commander not a 60-card format with four ofs? Because 100 singleton is more random. It's higher variance. The chance of you having the same gameplay from game to game is much higher. That variance is very much on purpose. In casual play, you want higher variance. So one of the things we do uh, in the unsets is we make cards of higher variance. You'll notice in sort of premier sets, if we make a coin flipping card or a die rolling card like we did in Adventures of Forgotten Realms, we really have to like lower, we have to squish the variance. We have to make it so either the card in general is not strong enough that would ever see tournament play or just really reduce the amount of variance. But let's take a card like Elvish Impersonator, which wasn't unglued. Uh, it, it costs three and a green, and you roll two dice. The first die is the power, and the second die is the toughness. That's a really fun card. But the variance is very high. It could be everything from a 1-1 one, one up to a 6-6. Six, six. There's 36 different outcomes. And that's really neat and very fun, but it's the tournament, like... Making things viable for tournaments makes us squish the variance. But there's a lot of fun in variance. So that's another place that we can play in non-tournament design. We can make higher variance things. And you'll notice not only do we make higher variance cards, we make higher variance mechanics. For example, look at Unstable. Both um, Contraptions and Host Augment are very high variance. For example, Contraptions has a randomized deck. Every time I build my Contraption from game to game, it's very unlikely that I'm building exactly the same Contraption because I'm getting... I'm getting things in different order, and I might place them in different places because of the turn order that I get them. And so the contraptions you build are really different. It's seldom on a game-to-game that you're building the exact same contraption. Likewise, host and augment are, there's a left side and a right side, and, you know, each left side is different. Each right side is different. So when you combine them, you're making a very different thing. So even if you're playing with the same host and augments, in this game, maybe I have, you know, I'm combining the squirrel on the left with, uh, I'm trying to off the top of my head, the shark on the right, you know, and, and so that from game to game, you can understand and figure out how you can build things so that they are different. So not only do we make high variance um, cards, we get to make high variance mechanics. Next, so uh, time. So another big thing when you're playing in high level sanction play is you have to think about the, how the tournament is playing out. Um, and time is a big factor. You got to make sure the game ends. So, for example, um, sub-games um, uh, are... The very first sub-game was made by Richard Garfield in Arabian Nights called Scheherazade. Um, and the idea is you stop the game you're in and you play a sub-game. Well, we stopped doing those in sort of normal magic, and now we do them in unset. So, for example, we had a card called The Countdown is One in Unstable where you go to play a sub-game and you're at, you start at one, right? So you start at one life. So it's a shorter sub-game. Um, but the idea is sub-games are fun. It's not like players don't understand them. It's just a time issue. Is we can't play things that slow down things because in a tournament, you have 50 minutes to, to an hour and you have to get three games in. So we have to be very careful when we design not to make things that will take too long. Not that those things aren't fun. Not that the casual play formats don't play a lot longer. Commander, for example, has a much longer playing time. Um, but anyway, so that gets squeezed out because of tournament concerns. Uh, another big issue is cheating concerns. That if we make something that's meant for tournament play, it has to be something 
monitorable by judges. That judges have to make sure that everything is above board. So, for example, in um, Unstable, we had something called outside assistance. So outside assistance says, hey, I'm a variable mechanic, but instead of rolling a die or flipping a coin, I'm going outside and talking to a person. Uh, it, it was a very successful um, group of mechanics. And the reason is, it's fun interacting with people. Like, the whole point is, look, we need variants. And you know what's high variance? People are high variance. And there's all sorts of great stories we got of just people interacting with their friends or with strangers or whoever. Um, but the problem is, in a tournament setting, there's no way to know that you didn't plan ahead of time, that that person would give you the answer you needed, right? There's no way to know if there's shenanigans going on. Um, now in a casual setting, um, you know, there's an answer to cheating. If you get caught cheating in a casual setting, we kick you out of our play group. We don't play with you, you know, that there's something built in, but in a tournament setting, that's not viable. And so if we make things that aren't easy to monitor, we, we sort of can't do that. So once again, these are things that get pulled off into the non-tournament design area. Fun stuff and interesting things, but just sometimes there's things that can't be easily monitored, so we can't do it there. Um, other things, for example, we have to care about is, um, there, there are other factors in tournaments. For example, we tend to, there's other things that we could test. For example, we could test dexterity. There's a card called Sling Mantis that is in Unstable where you have to flip it and it fights the creature it lands on. But for example, early magic had a card called Chaos Orbit. It was in Alpha. Um, and it was causing all these problems in tournaments because tournaments tend to not have a lot of space. And in order to play in an environment where Chaos Orb is around, you want to spread your cards far apart so that, you know, the Chaos Orb can only hit one card because you flip it and every card it hit, it, it destroys. Um, and that was causing all sorts of tournament problems that you can't kind of make things that mess with space. And we didn't want dexterity being a thing within the context of tournaments for, for magic. So... <coughs> There's a lot of fun dexterity cards and a lot of fun cards that interact in fun, neat ways, but that's not something we can do for high-level competitive play, so that becomes off-limits. That becomes something that you need to do in non-tournament design space. Um, another thing is uh, there's, like, exterior factors. For example... Uh, there's a card in Unhinged called Asswhoopin' and a card in Unstable called SideQuest. Both those cards affect other games. Now, those other games have to also be playing uh, with Silver Border and Acorn cards. Um, so the idea being... But, I, I, for example, I can't have a card that interacts with a tournament game in process, right? And so those things, like, they're fun and they're casual and they're, you know, they're... They, they lend to a much more uh, jovial experience, but you have to keep them separated because they ca cause problems when you're talking about a tournament where there's something on the line. You know, you, you can't sort of... There's a lot of things that have novelty to them but cause problems in that system, so you can't have them. Um, uh, another area that we have to be extra cautious about is extra uh, components, like contraptions. Contraptions has a whole extra deck. Well, space matters in tournaments, and so that extra deck and monitoring that deck, it becomes a lot harder to do in a competitive environment. So that's something that we can do easily, and it's a lot of fun, and that we can do in places like unsets that become harder to do in, like, a premiere set. Um, another big thing is... Um, one of the things that we tend to do on sets is we push into new space. We test new ground. Um... 
but it is kind of hard. It it's something we have to be extra cautious in in sort of a more where there's there's whenever we sort of experiment, the nice things about doing it in the non-terminate space is we don't like whenever we make something, we have to talk about is it, you know, can digital programming, can organize can organize play deal with the ramifications of it? Um, and there are just things that are fun that, you know, like I, I enjoy how we can push boundaries. And the funny thing is sometimes boundaries we push in sort of the non-tournament design, we can find it works out and slowly move it to the tournament design space. So there are different things that we want, like, like for example, full art lands once was considered kind of out there. We put them in unsets and they gravitated, um, like uh, the idea of BFM, where two cards made one card, we later that be- would become meld in sort of normal magic. Uh, uh, there was a card with super haste in Unhinged uh, that became the Pax later on. So there's a lot of things that we we are able to look into and investigate that we have to be cautious when we make them, but later there's space that we can move. Um, another good example, uh, is the split cards. The split cards were originally made actually for unglued two. Now the unglued two never came out, but it was something in which we were pushing in weird space. And, um, had I not like, had I not been trying to make an unset, I don't know. I ever would have thought to put two cards on one card. I mean, it was just me doing an opposite of BFM, right? Instead of one card, that's two cards. It's two cards that one card. And so, you know, the non-tournament space lets us push in stuff that, you know, it gives us wider berth to try things. Um, so th- the reason I bring this up, the reason I'm walking through all these different categories is um, I think sometimes there's this idea that sort of, you know, black bordered eternal legal magic is the boundaries of magic. That is what magic is. And I know there's people that look at... Um, you know, silver-bordered acorn cards, uh, and their attitude is, well, that's something outside of magic. That is not normal magic. That is, you know, that is not magic. Um, and the thing that's important to understand is, look, magic is a game that stretches boundaries. Magic is a game that really allows people to play. And the interesting thing is, most formats are not played in a, a high-level tournament play. You know, there is booster draft, there is standard, there is pioneer, there is modern. Um, and that really is the format that you're seeing in like high level competitive play. Um, there's lots and lots of other formats. There is commander, there is pauper, there is, there's just infinite formats that people play that are much more casual in nature. And like one of the things, for example, basically happened is, the commander um, format, the people that really sort of pushed and made it popular just happened to be judges. That just happened to be the people who did that. And the judges came from a circumstance where what the, the, the system of magic they knew and understood, the system of magic they were sort of, they grew up in, that they learned magic in, that they experienced the game in, was tournament play. So they sort of adopted tournament play as the default. Now, it's funny, somebody else could have made the definitive casual play, and they might have not made that decision if they were not sort of raised in that environment. Um, And so one of the things that's really important to understand is that 
Like I, as a designer, what I want to do is I want to make cards so that every player can play the way they want to play. Now, there's definitely cards we can make for Commander that doesn't cause problems in high-level tournament play. Um, but my, my point is, and the reason I'm sort of talking today is, there are a lot of really interesting cards. Staying Power, Last Strike, uh, you know, sub-games. Like, there's, there's lots of fun spaces. And uh, interestingly, now, as with anything, no matter what we do, whatever boundary we do, um, there is always something that is crosses people's boundaries. And, and my question, my, my, my sort of point here is, look, Dexterity cards exist in Black Border. There's Chaos Orb. Um, uh, Sub-games exist in Black Border. The Shahrazad. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the stuff that I'm making and a lot of the stuff that exists in the non-tournament design space is very viable, fun. Like, it's literally made for casual magic play. And I, one of the things I feel sad about is sort of watching people who, like, won't play with things that are that you are the target audience it was made for. You are the people that would most enjoy it and somehow feeling like you, you're you not allowed to play it. Um, in fact, one of my sort of contentions is if you go back and look at early magic, look at Alpha or Arabian Nights, like super early magic, um, what Richard Garfield in initially intended magic to be was a much more casual aspect of magic. Um that I think the unsets are a lot more what he... I mean, like I said, Chaos Orb made by Richard. Scheherazade made by Richard. In fact, Richard's favorite card he ever designed was Scheherazade. That's his favorite magic card. Um, and the, another important point is early magic, for example, didn't... The rule set was very fuzzy. That was a feature to Richard, not a bug. That one of his favorite things about playing Cosmic Encounter, which was probably the game that had the most influence on the creation of Magic, was when weird things came up, it was fun for Richard to discuss with the other players what they think happened. The reason early Magic rules weren't sort of nailed down was because the system that Richard imagined was one that was more informal. Now, once we realize kind of the the level of organized play and the tournament structure and like that needed to exist and that Magic was big enough that it would want that, hey, we made 6th edition rules. We, we started doing things to do that. And in the process of doing that, we started sort of making this hard line of what is tournament Magic. Um, but the sort of the point of today is, what I'm trying to illustrate is that just because one aspect of magic needs to make boundaries doesn't mean those boundaries have to be applied to all other magic. Just because tournaments do a certain thing, if you're not playing in tournaments, if you're not doing high-level competitive play, like, like high variance is super fun. Because high-level tournaments don't want high variance, you shouldn't have access to high variance. Because, like, high-level tournament play, you know, has to care about variance or time or cheating concerns or has to care about 100% rule compl compliancy doesn't mean that all this fun stuff that you would enjoy needs to be off-limits. And so really the point of today is, besides sort of explaining, I wanted to spend today giving you an idea of what is all this space. There, there is just tons of very fertile, fun, really entertaining design space. Um, like, it saddens me the people who are like, oh, I really like the host augment cards. I hope one day you make them so I can play them. And I'm like, you can play them now. So 
one of the things, for example, in Commander is the rule zero, rule zero where talk to your playgroup. That one of the things that I really think that is not taken advantage enough in Commander, especially in, in playgroups that aren't... I know there's competitive Commander. I know there's... Um, I know there's people that want to play Commander in which they want it to be as competitive as possible. And I'm not, I'm not saying those groups necessarily need to play with some of these cards, but most Commander groups are playing a much more free-ended casual play. And things like host augment or contraptions or dice rolling, there's lots of things that would be really fun for your group. It was literally designed, like, that's the part that's hard for me as a designer of... I recognize players that would enjoy something. I design things specifically for those players. And some of those, like, feel they're not allowed to play it, even though it, it is for you and it would enhance your gameplay and you would enjoy it. Um, and once again, the other thing, by the way, is you can pick and choose. One of the fun things about Magic is, you know, for example, Armageddon is black bordered. It's completely legal. But that doesn't mean your playgroup plays Armageddon. That part of any playgroup is saying, what are we comfortable and not comfortable with? And there are things that are completely black bordered that your group goes, you know what? That's not fun. We don't want to play that. Well, I'm saying the opposite with, with the silver border and the acorn stuff. There's stuff that, okay, technically it's not allowed, but you and your playgroup would have fun with it. You and your playgroup would have an enjoyable experience with it. Um, it, Part of today is is a plea to you that are playing casual formats, that are playing fun, that I really don't want you thinking like somehow all this non-tournament design space, A, is not for you, or B, is somehow not magic. It is completely magic. In fact, it, it is more what Richard Garfield imagined magic to be. It, it is closer to, to that vision of what Richard made when he first made the game of magic. And there are so many fun things and there's so much cool stuff that I just don't want people sort of artificially keeping things off limits just because they feel they have to. Um, and so that's, that's my plea today. The reason I'm sort of spending the energy walking through what non-tournament design is, is to say to you, it's, there is so much really cool, neat stuff there. You know, why limit yourself something because it's not 100% compliant in the rule system or it causes time problems at tournaments or it it can't be, viable, you know, judged for cheating issues. Like there's all these things that are have nothing to do with the game you're playing if you're playing casual play that have nothing to do with it. Um, but yet those weird things are keeping access from stuff you would enjoy. So part of today is sort of walking through all, all the spaces and saying, hey, if you're not currently playing with this stuff, it's something that I think you and your group should look at, that it is made for a lot of, a lot of the people I'm talking to, it is literally made to make your playing experience more fun. And that doesn't mean you need to play everything. That doesn't mean everything will be what you enjoy. Hey, maybe you would love to play Staying Power but don't want to flip a card in the air. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that accepting part of it is accepting all of it, but I'm saying it, for you casual players who are listening non-tournament design you are literally the audience it's designed for and um it, it's just I, I don't want because the most popular you know constructor i'm sorry most popular casual format happened to be made by judges of somehow this is off limits to you guys and so i do want you to consider that use rule zero take a look at that stuff there's a lot of really fun interesting cool design space there and so please it doesn't it doesn't have to be off limits um, and that, by the way, is why we are changing Infinity to try to make more stuff eternal. Um, I, I wish in Unstable that I could have made contraptions and host augment and die rolling. 
Eternal then. It's, it, like, it saddens me that people want to play host augment and feel they can, even though there's nothing about the rules that prevent you. There's nothing about it that keeps you from understanding it or enjoying it or it playing fine. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, that's my appeal today. So I hope you guys enjoyed understanding, hearing sort of what the dividing space is for tournaments versus non-tournament design, why it's that way. And uh, hopefully I've inspired some of you to say, you know what? Maybe this is for me. But anyway... Uh, I can see my desk. So we all know that means means this is the, my end of the drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to make it magic. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.